Thank you. Well, what a, a joy and a privilege to come and speak to you tonight. Thank you. I thought we couldn't really do much better than starting by praying this blessing over each other, which I hope is going to come up on a PowerPoint. Yes. So just make sure you know the name of the people on either side of you, just really quickly. And what we're going to do is you're going to pray this blessing. And, you, you know, it's amazing this blessing was given by God to his priests. And we are a priesthood of all believers. So we get to bless each other. Isn't that amazing? So we're going to read this out together. And I know we're going to have some time later on to pray it perhaps in a bit more depth over each other. But we're just going to speak it out and pray it as a blessing, particularly over the people on either side of you. Is that okay? Yes. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Now, I grew up with those words because my dad was a vicar. Me and Theresa May. Although I don't do quite such a good line on shoes as she does. And I heard that blessing again and again when I was a child. And honestly, I heard it, but I wouldn't say I really took it in. Um, because my dad was a vicar, he had to do something called reading out the bans of marriage, which is a sort of legal requirement to make sure that you're not marrying people who are bigamists. And so week after week in church, I'd hear this. If anyone here knows cause or just impediment why these two persons should not be lawfully joined together in matrimony, you shall declare it now. And I would sit there and think... Why does nobody ever know this just impediment? And where is he? <laughs> we, I think, can hear words, and maybe for some of you this blessing is incredibly familiar, but we don't actually take it in. Now, why don't we hear it? And I think one of the reasons is that we're not really sure that God is good. And the oldest lie of all is that God is mean. It was the oldest lie of all. It was the lie that was told to Adam and Eve in, right back in the garden. And Satan came and he whispered, oh, he's not going to let you eat of that tree. You know, he's a bit mean. He's trying to, trying to keep some things from you. And we start to believe that God is one who would withhold from us. Actually, God is really into blessing. And I guess if you've been coming along here regularly, you do kind of know that. Because I sense this is a place of great blessing. It was the first thing he did after he made Adam and Eve. And you look through scripture and he just keeps on doing it. It was the last thing Jesus did before he ascended into heaven was to bless. And in this amazing blessing in number six, it's actually the only one in the Old Testament that was directly given by God. And his people had just been really misbehaving and they're in the wilderness. And what does God do? He gives this blessing. And because it comes straight from him, we get a little glimpse of his heart for us in it. 
And I don't have time to say all the wonderful things in the book, but one of the things that so excited me was finding how this blessing is fulfilled in Jesus and then in us. I'm just going to pick out one verse, one line of it tonight, because there's too much that we can talk about. And it's that wonderful line, may the Lord make his face shine upon you. And perhaps we could have the next slide. I, um, I love this because actually it speaks of God's face lighting up with a smile. That's what commentators say. I don't know if any of you have ever had a, a bad passport photo. Just raise a hand if you've ever had a bad passport photo. Just, just one or two. Um, my husband had his done last year. And my husband does have lovely sort of crinkly eyes, really smiley face. When his face is at rest, I have told him I'm going to tell you this, he does look quite severe. You know, really, really he doesn't look the most pleasant person. <laughs> He's sort of got quite... Passport photo, you're not allowed to smile. And honestly, I'm sometimes surprised we're allowed back in the country because <laughs> the picture of him is so, so severe. But it lights up when he smiles. My father has a particular smile that he keeps for his kids. And I'm going to be totally self-indulgent and I'm going to show you the picture of my dad when he smiles at us. Oh, no, next one, next one. There should be one more in there, is there? Back, back. Oh, we're missing one. Okay, don't worry. This isn't my dad. <laughs> but, but we will come on to him. We'll come on to Nico. He can stay there, because I think we're catching a little glimpse of the kind of smile that it is. And do you know, when my dad smiles for his children, we just know he loves us. And that's the kind of smile that your dad, your heavenly dad, has when he sees you. And actually, he's so pleased that you should give up your Monday night to come and meet with him. God is for you. Now, the thing is that sometimes we find it a bit hard to see that shining face. Honestly, I'd have to say... I, I'm not wandering around constantly aware of God's shining face. I'm more aware than I was. But, but sometimes in the midst of life, I lose sight of it. And one of the things I do is I'm a chaplain at a primary school, which I adore doing. And so I get to go and talk to kids about Jesus and they come and see me. And I'll, it's a sort of whole story in itself that our head teacher, how our head teacher became a Christian. But um, one of the things that kids do is they ask brilliant questions. And a great question that they regularly ask me is, Kate, why can't we see God? It's a good question. And sometimes I'll just say, well, has anybody got an answer? So, you know, we're in the class and little Ruby puts up her hands. She said, Kate, it's because he's so bright and burning that if we saw him, we'd die. <laughs> And I looked at the rest of the sort of seven-year-olds in there and I thought, okay. But of course, Ruby was right. Because actually, we cannot come before God. Because in our sin, we, we come before the wrath of God. And God is, is 
are so holy. And that's why there was a veil in the temple. And it wasn't to protect God from the people. It was to protect the people from seeing the face of God. But the wonderful thing is that I can tell those, those kids that God so wanted to make his face shine upon us. That, of course, he came and took all our sin in Jesus so that Jesus could be the shining face of God to us. And that's why when Jesus was prophesied just before his birth, Zechariah spoke of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness. So the plan is that you and I would be living in a sunrise. Perhaps we could go back to our sunrise for a minute. That was an early morning sunrise in Cornwall. And I I felt as I was praying about tonight that there were some people here who just felt you're under a bit of a dark cloud. And it might be all sorts of things. It might be sadness. It might be guilt. And the Lord is planning a sunrise in your life. Do you know the warmth of his favor towards you? And we'll come back to our lovely picture of my friend Niku. And my friend Niku had his first daughter just over a year ago. And he just, he posts far too many pictures of her on Facebook. (laughs) But I loved this picture. And he, every time he posts them, he just puts hashtag love this one a lot, hashtag my heart. And, and I just thought that's what God does with us. He looks at you and goes, love this one a lot, my heart. God wants you so secure in his love, just like little Madeleine is looking so happy, snuggled up to her dad. I know Niku really wants Madeline to thrive. I I have three sons, and probably more than anything, I want them to thrive. And that's what God wants for you. It's that sort of love for you. And the psalmist says he delights in your well-being. I wonder if you know that tonight. The problem is that sometimes it doesn't feel like God is for us, like he wants our well-being. And uh, we had that little mention of Romans chapter 8, and there's a line in it where Paul says, if God is for me, no one can be against me. Nothing can separate me from God's love. And I think sometimes we hear that and we go, if God is for me, and we kind of hear it like, well, if God is for me... Because actually, if you really know God is for you, it will totally change how you live your life. Anyone here like eBay? Any other people who like a little eBay, little eBay flutter? Just, just a few, few eBayers here. I've done a little bit of eBay, and I've had some successes, and I've had a few really dire mistakes. And I decided, um, three sons, very expensive, 
lots of shoes, Clark's shoes. You feel you have to get Clark's shoes because you don't want your kids wearing shoes that are bad for them. And so I, I finally thought, I'll try Clark's shoes on eBay. Great idea. And I looked online and I found the exact shoes that my son wore in the next size up, in size nine, 22 pounds. Bargain. So I paid for my eBay shoes. Um, about a week later, they appeared in the post. And I opened up the package and they were baby size nine. <laughs> now, sometimes life disappoints us. And it isn't so bad if shoes don't fit, but it's not so great if a job doesn't fit or a relationship doesn't fit. And the fact is that we live in a broken world that has rejected God's perfect rule. And sometimes in a broken, jagged world, we get a bit hurt on the edges. And we only needed to have turned on our tellies the last few days and seen what is happening in Syria to know that there is much happening in our world that is not God's intention. The world is not as God intended it to be. He didn't intend rape. He didn't intend child abuse. He didn't intend the many women who are slaves in, in the sex trade. And so we look around our world and we go, is God for me? You know, this thing has happened, that thing has happened. But you see, Jesus wasn't surprised by the hard things that happened. And he said, in this world, you will have trouble. He knew Satan was prince of this world. But he said, take heart, I have overcome the world. So I think sometimes our problem is that we have quite a low expectation of trouble, but we also have a low expectation of blessing. And God is calling us to have a higher expectation of trouble, but an even higher expectation of his extraordinary blessing that can transform every situation because actually when we hit the tough stuff that is when we need him the most uh corrie ten boom who some of you may know of was an amazing dutch lady who um, hid jews during the second world war and she ended up in a concentration camp where her beloved sister died she said this when she was asked the lesson she had learned she said god's love it's this God's love still stands when everything around us is fallen. And she stayed with my family when we were very little. And she wrote this in our address book. You only need to need and welcome. The windows of heaven are always open. Now those words, they're not trite when they come from somebody who's been in a concentration camp. Our problem so often is that when the troubles come, and I don't know if you do this, sometimes I respond by pushing God away. And uh, some years ago, we had a very late miscarriage at about 15 weeks. And I had told my oldest son that I was expecting a baby, and he was really excited. 
And when I, when I had to break it to him that we'd lost this baby, you know, obviously I was really sad. And he just, he'd never done it before. He was in my arms. He just hit me. And he was just pushing me. And I, I thought that's, you know, that's just what I do. That's what I do with God. And actually, I held on. And God holds on to us. Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband um, was murdered by Alka Indians, said this, we need, to view, we need to view God's love, not, sorry, I've got to get this the right way around. We need to view our circumstances through the window of God's love, not God's love through the window of our circumstances. My, um, one of my very best friends, Joe died of cancer um, about, it's now about eight years ago, and she'd just become a Christian on Alpha, and before she died, she wrote this in her journal, friends are telling me I should stop worrying about this outdated religious stuff. No, no, and no again. If God exists, which I know he does, then he exists and is God whether I have cancer or not. If I die tomorrow, next week, or in the next millennium, God is still God. This is truth I believe in and know in my life and soul. Just as the sky is still blue if I have cancer, I still love champagne if I have cancer, and I still love my husband if I have cancer. These are truths that exist whether disease is present in my body or not. My Jesus was and is living and real, and I need him more than ever before. And what Joe did when life was tough, was she decided she'd run to God and not away. Because when we begin to grasp God is for us, it is such a deep security for us that holds us through every circumstance. So how? How can we be sure that God is for us? How can you be sure well, again, from Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son, but graciously gave him up for us all, how will he not, along with him, give us all things? You see, God didn't spare his own son for you, and he would have done it just for you. So you don't need to fear that he's going to cross his arm or turn his back when you come to him. He graciously gave up Jesus. And that word gracious is right in the middle of our blessing. The Lord be gracious to you. What does it mean? It means the opposite of mean. I had a, a child who came to see me who was distressed you know it happens part of what I do and this little one um uh, she's about seven and she is only allowed to play with her toys if she gets more than six out of ten in her tests now God is not like that I'd like to tell you he gives us more than we deserve it's all gift 
so my sons can come home from university with bin bags of dirty washing and I hand them back nice clean bags. And that's what God is like with us. We give him our dirty washing and we get back his friendship and his love. So why don't we receive God's grace? Why are we not very good at doing that? Somebody, somebody tell me. We don't think we're worth it. I think that's an enormous reason. Any more reasons? Say that again. We don't trust him. Yeah. And I think we think perhaps he's not that loving father. One more. Yeah, we don't ask. Uh, That's a really, really key, important one. I think sometimes we don't even realize what we're carrying around with us. We've just got used to it. I, one of my boys um, is doing his, he's just finished GCSEs, he's doing it in his sixth form now, and he has a ridiculously heavy bag. I think he's refused to buy a locker at school, which annoys me a lot. So he carries these enormous heavy bags to school, and I can barely pick his bag up. And a a while ago, he came in, and he was obviously starving, and he was in the kitchen, and I realised he had come in, made himself toast, got himself a drink, and he'd been in about 20 minutes, and he still had his bag on his back. (laughs) And I thought, that's just us, isn't it? We don't even notice that we are carrying it, and we just don't expect what God can do. Um, (laughs) Uh, A while ago in July, I was speaking at some event and I had a really, really busy week and I knew my hair was desperately, you know, pretty badly in need of a cut. And I thought, I'm just too busy, I'm too busy. And so I said to my husband, "Um, darling, what what do you think? Is my hair all right? And he looked at me and said, it's fine. (laughs) And I I thought, okay, I know what that means. That's really bad for him. So I said, that's not good, is it? No, he said, no, it's fine, it's fine. I was like, I really don't want it to just be fine. And, and then I, so I pushed him, and I said, it's not, it's not great, is it? He said, well, it's fair to middling. <laughs> so, so you can imagine, I went straight off and got a haircut. But you know, sometimes we're like that, aren't we? How are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. But actually, inside, we're fair to middling, or maybe a lot worse. But we don't do anything about it. Because we have a God of such abundance that he doesn't want you living a fair to middling life. He came to give you life and life in all its fullness. I think whoever it was who said we don't feel worthy, I think that's a real biggie. I think many of us wander around with a sense of vague guilt. Because you see, if you've really sinned, God will tell you. And you can deal with it and you can say sorry. And the wonderful thing is I've seen, I've seen women walk through forgiveness for some of the most terrible things. And God is so merciful. But for many of us, we're just feeling we just don't quite cut it. We perhaps haven't prayed quite long enough. We're definitely not as holy as Anne. And, and you, you probably think I'm really holy, so you might, you might think you need to be as holy as me, but if you knew me, you'd realise you were okay. But, but actually, you know, it's all by grace. 
because we cannot do enough. You never will. And until you grasp that grace is the hinge on which all God's blessing rests, you will not live the blessed life. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen, Paul says. It is God who justifies. God is for you. And he doesn't want you thinking that his face is dark with disapproval. He wants you knowing that he's just so thrilled that you're his daughter. His arms are open wide and his face is alight with joy when he looks at you. You see, sometimes we think God forgives us and we get a clean slate. But it's actually much better than that. It's not just that you're given a clean slate and now you've got to try and be good. You get to hand over your 6 out of 10 test and you get back Jesus' 10 out of 10 test. So you walk straight into a place of great favour. So I want to tell you, don't live your life as if other people are God's favourites because too many of us do that. Jesus told a story of two sons. One was lost at home and one was lost far from home. The one who was lost at home was lost because he was convinced he wasn't his father's favourite. And he turned round to his dad and he said, you never threw a party for me. And in essence, he's saying, you've got favourites and I'm not one of them. And we're in an age of Facebook and comparison where we can look into other people's lives and think that maybe God has a favourite of someone else. But the father replied, everything I have is yours, but you just needed to ask. I am, we've got a wonderful link in Uganda in a slum there and so we, we've gone out and done some missions there and last time I was there I just thought it's amazing these Ugandan this Ugandan culture is they come and ask and they come up for prayer like a shot and I prayed for a woman who was deaf and she was healed and I was so excited that was the first time that had happened to me and I just thought, isn't that amazing? She's just not scared to come and ask God to do wonderful things for her. And she's in the midst of suffering, but somehow she's grasped that God is not mean. Do you know, God doesn't prefer other people to you. Don't fall for that lie. In fact, I'm going to tell you something quite astounding. The Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. See, the first time I heard that, I thought, oh, this almost feels a bit blasphemous. <laughs> but it's actually true. God doesn't even prefer Jesus over you. In John 17, 23, Jesus says, you love them even as you loved me. And the Father has adored the Son for all eternity. But actually, he's adored you for all eternity because he saw you from the beginning. And the son calls Jesus beloved. He says, you are my beloved son on whom my favor rests. 
Maybe we just have that next slide up. I was talking about this with my boys. Uh, that one will do. That's lovely. And saying, you know, what's the difference? And they, one of them said, what's the difference between being loved and being beloved? And we worked out that actually beloved is a status. It's just who you are. But to be the beloved, you've got to be loved. You've got to allow God to pour his love upon you as he so longs to do. Because you have been placed in Christ, who is the beloved. Let's have that next verse. Um, We'll just read that out together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So I don't know if you knew this, but when you became a Christian, when you trusted your life to Jesus, he placed you in Christ. You are in the beloved. And there's another story of two sons. I'm just going to tell this one quite quickly, who were called Jacob and Esau. And Jacob, I like to think of as the rugby player. Uh, Sorry, Esau's the rugby player. He's the kind of hairy, big, muscly one. And Jacob's a bit more of a sort of footy player. I always quite like telling this to the men. Jacob is a slime ball, desperate for his father's blessing. He's a cheat, he's not great, but he does know how to ask for blessing. And he's so desperate for his father's blessing that although he isn't the favorite, he goes and dresses up as his big brother. And he comes to his father, who's a bit blind, dressed up in the, the sort of horrible hunting skins of his older brother and his father feels him and he feels like his son his big brother and smells him he smells like his big brother and so he gets the father's blessing and you see we get to dress up in our big brother's clothes we're placed in Christ you're in the beloved and God's not blind but he's arranged it so that you can be placed in all the righteousness of Christ which means you don't ever need to fear that you're not worthy and we're going to have in a little bit a prayer time and an opportunity to hand over some of those lies that say you're not worthy that God is mean and as you do that I want to really encourage you to listen to God saying to you you are my beloved daughter because it's what he so longs to speak over you could we have the next slide and let's just say that out loud in Christ I am greatly blessed deeply loved and highly favoured. You see, God utterly adores you. And when you start to live life in the knowledge that his favour is upon you, it will change what you do. You'll stop living desperate to be a people pleaser. 
And I spent years fearing people's rejection and desperate, desperate to please others. And again, I'm still on a journey, but it has changed because when we start to live under what God is saying over us, we can start to take some risks. I can actually dare to go and tell a stranger that Jesus loves them now. We can begin to start to do some of the things that God is calling us to do. And I have no question that God has a calling on every single life in this room. But it begins with you knowing the favour and grace of God for you. He wants you to hear him say, you are my beloved, on you my favour rests. The challenge both tonight and every day, is will I listen to his voice or all the other voices? Because there are other voices, aren't there? There is another voice that says God is mean. And I think it's really interesting that Jesus heard the father say, you are my beloved son, on you my favor rests. And what was the next thing he heard? Satan said to him, well, if you're God's son, don't be surprised if you hear that voice. We've got to get used to knowing that voice is going to come and telling it where to go and saying, no, I'm going to listen to what my father says over me. You see, the lie is that you are not a beloved daughter. And if you receive that lie, you won't come and ask God for all he wants to give to you. You won't dare trust to him your deepest heart's desires. And I I don't know all of you, but I know within your hearts, there are pains, there are desires, there are hopes, there are dreams that God knows and cares so deeply about. And daily he's calling you to trust his voice. We've had a a wonderful ministry to vulnerable single mums from our church. And one lady called Paula, whose story I tell in my book, was a crack addict when she came to us. And it's been a, a long journey. But Paula now is leading a recovery course for others. And she gave me this brilliant picture. I was talking to her about it. And she said, Kate, it's like this. I live in a house with faulty wiring. And God has rewired it. But I've got to choose which socket I plug into. (laughs) And I thought, that's just brilliant. That's what we have to do every day is go, am I going to plug into the faulty wiring? Is there anyone else here who struggles with faulty wiring? One or two of you, maybe. But God is saying, plug into my truth, what I'm saying, and then we begin to see really exciting transformation. We find that we love because he first loved us. We become a blessing because he blesses us. We begin to shine with the light and love of Jesus in a dark world because his face is shining upon us. And We live in a world that is dark and that desperately needs the light and grace and power of our glorious saviour. Last slide. Oh, 
I wasn't going to do that one. You'll have to come to another talk to hear that one. I have loved this verse for such a long time. This is God's calling upon us. And when I first, I was just saying to um, uh, over supper that when I first looked at that blessing, I thought, amazing blessing. And then I realized the line after says, God says, so I shall write my name on you. And that as he blesses us, he gives us his character. And his plan is that he shines on you so that you start to shine. And the last lie I want to just stand against tonight is the lie that God will not use me because there is nobody in this room that God does not have a plan for. He's got unique things. You're, you're, you're really unique. There'll be special things that he has for you to do that nobody else can do. And I love the church because we're all so different. And God has a special plan. There'll be people you can reach that nobody else can reach. But you've got to rise and shine because the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Let's just rise, shall we? He's calling us to trust ourselves to him, to trust his voice of love in our lives. And I, I believe there's, there's a few people here who know that you're called to be makers. You're made in the image of the God who is the maker. And there are some here who are called to be menders of broken things because you're made in the image of the one who mends broken things. So I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing over us all, and then I'm going to hand over to Anne. Is that okay? So let's just open our hearts to the Lord. Holy Spirit, I know you're moving in this place, and you are the spirit of adoption that brings that cry, Abba, Father, from the depths of our hearts. And I want to pray for each woman here that that cry, Abba, Daddy, would rise up. And just in the quiet, I want to encourage you to just thank God that he's your Father who loves you. he asks you to do a thing he wants to pour his love upon you thank him for the truth that you are his beloved daughter that he has no favorites actually you could say you're his favorite i want to pray for every person here who who had a dad who didn't show them the love of the father just come and heal those hearts lord some of you here, the Lord's just saying, now I want you to run to me with the pain. Don't run away, just run to me. I encourage you, some of you, God just is asking you to dare to lay some of the desires of your hearts before him with open hands. A really deep work in hearts tonight. Let those streams of your living water flood up from deep, deep within. Thank you, Lord.
Amen.